Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Mothers Who Know Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope webinar series. My name is April Hyatt, and I am part of the Mothers Who Know team. I'm one of many women who's in the background helping um, moms and helping put this together and all the other fun things that you see come through Mothers Who Know. I'm part of the support team. I'm usually in the background, but I get to do the introduction this morning. So here we go. We're so excited that everybody has joined us today. Our webinar series is sponsored by Life Changing Services. And Life Changing Services is a mental health counseling center for youth and adults. All of our therapists are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we work really hard to combine scientific principles with gospel-centered training. And I'm going to tell you about just a couple of our main programs that we offer that are specifically for youth, because we recognize that sometimes it's really hard to find programs for youth. So the first one is called Sons of Helaman, and this is for young men who are struggling with pornography or other sexual self-mastery issues. And we run groups for that program every week. So if that's something you're in need of at your house, visit our website, lifechangingservices.org. And there's a link to our Sons of Helaman program where you can get more information. We also have a program called Daughters of Light. And this is for young women with anxiety and depression issues who also often have other behavioral concerns that you'll notice. So as a mom, if you notice that something's going on with your daughter and you're just not quite sure what it is, check out our Daughters of Light program. And again, all of these can be found at lifechangingservices.org. Within Life Changing Services, we have Mothers Who Know, and this is the parent support arm of the program. So we're here to help moms, to support you, to help you in supporting your loved ones. We're an online group of women who recognize that life isn't perfect and there's often stuff going on at our house and we need help and we need support. So we provide connection, support, training, and hope for moms. And that's kind of our, our main thing that we do. One of the parts of Mothers Who Know, the phrase that we use all the time is called Stay by the Tree. And you'll notice that this webinar series is also called Stay by the Tree. And if you've never heard that before, we thought we should probably tell people what that means and what that is, because otherwise they're thinking, why are all these women just standing by trees? So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what that means. As mothers, we understand the worry and fear we can feel, hoping to make sure that our loved ones find the Savior. The name of the webinar series, Stay by the Tree, comes from the scriptural account in the Book of Mormon from 1 Nephi chapter 8 of a beloved parent and prophet, Lehi, and this uh, vision is commonly called the Tree of Life vision. The vision beautifully depicts that the best place for us to stand while beckoning to loved ones on our journey is right next to the Savior, or right next to the tree. Lehi beckons, invites, speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent, and sometimes even calls out to his loved ones in a loud voice. As you read that vision, you'll notice that he never leaves the tree. He never forces others to him. He just invites. Standing safely by the Savior and partaking of the fruits he generously extends is the best place for us to feel peace and hope, even in the middle of hard. You'll notice as you become a part of Mothers Who Know or our Mom Power Training, which I'm going to talk about in just a second, we use that phrase, stay by the tree, and that's what that means. 
Part of Mothers Who Know, we like to offer lots of free things for moms. And one of the things that we offer is a training program called Mom Power. This is a free eight-week self-guided online training where we also offer weekly live mini lessons if you would like to attend those. And Karen Broadhead, who is the parent support specialist at Life Changing Services, and she's also the founder and director of Mothers Who Know, she uh, came up with the training program and she offers the live lessons and she's there to answer questions. So this is every Tuesday morning, same time and same place, same Zoom room as this meeting right here. You're welcome to join us. The Mom Power Training is a self-guided online training. You're, you can take the, there's eight lessons and you can take them anytime you want. But if you want to follow along with Karen or join the mini lessons, our new session starts on April 13th. So just a little bit more before we go on and introduce our guest today. Mom Power Training increases your peace and spiritual routines, builds stronger bonds in your family relationships, increases your ability to center your life in Christ, fortifies your divine identity and purpose, empowers you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary, increases your faith community and group support system with like-minded women, and helps you to stand with peace and courage in any storm. So we invite all moms to register at mompowertraining.org. And again, it's free. Really, there's no strings attached. We're not trying to sell you anything. It's just some really amazing tools and principles that we've learned that we thought every mom needs to hear these. So we are just going to put it out there and share it with everybody. Moving on, I know y'all are done listening to me and you want to hear Karen and Wes today. And Wes is going to talk to us about fighting your fight and letting others fight theirs. But before I turn the time over to him, I'm going to introduce him a little bit. I call him Wes because on his on his podcast, I'm going to tell you about it. It's, it's Wes and Spence, but his full official name is Weston Smith. And so I'm just going to read his bio for you. Weston Smith is a longtime member of the Life Changing Services community. After years of struggling with pornography and a masturbation addiction on his own and not seeing sustained success in recovery, Wes joined the YSA Sons of Helaman group and never looked back. During his recovery, Wes has co-founded the Eternal Warrior podcast, a weekly conversation with those fighting against pornography, where he co-hosts with another warrior and best friend, Spencer Buzzweld. Hopefully I said that right. And so the podcast is called the Eternal Warrior Podcast. And let me just pause for a second before I read the rest of this bio. But if you have not listened to this podcast, you are missing out. I am not kidding. It is so good. I say as we're recording this for our own podcast channel, but it is amazing. And if you have men or young men in your life who you want them to just get some more information without being pushy or without, you know, whatever, just turn on this little podcast. I used to play it when I was in the kitchen and I'm doing the dishes and then my family has no choice to listen. And I remember my son and my husband would walk in sometimes and they're like, wow, what is that? That's really good. And they would stand around and listen. And anyway, so it's really, really good. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen, the Eternal Warrior podcast. Okay. Now back to Wes's bio really quick and then I'll let them talk. In addition to co-hosting the Eternal Warrior podcast, Wes has also been the keynote speaker on topics of self-mastery and addiction recovery for several stake youth conferences and firesides, youth leadership conferences, Lions and Rotary Club meetings, and been featured as a guest on other addiction recovery and relationship podcasts. 
when he's not actively wielding the sword of justice against Satan, Wes pays his bills by selling software at Adobe, but he prefers to spend time with his sweetheart and girlfriend Izzy out in nature and traveling the world, or if she lets him because there's absolutely nothing else going on, he likes to watch a jazz game or a Packers game. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, I'm just going to turn the time over to Karen and Wes and let them introduce themselves a little bit more and our topic and let them just dive right in. Good morning. Thank you, April. Oh, we are so thrilled to have Wes with us. I'm Karen Broadhead, the founder of Mothers Who Know and the Parent Support Specialist for Life Changing Services. I have a warrior general son who I'm just so impressed with the effort that he's put into his own sexual self-mastery. And so any of these boys who are in the fight, I have so much respect for. And I have to say, our guest today, Weston Smith, has been a great source of strength for me and people I love. Like I was just telling my husband and my son this morning, guess who's coming today? And they knew who I was talking about because I love to listen to the podcast whenever I want to remember why I'm fighting and why I don't give up because it helps me to, to recall what is deep, most deeply important to me. And it is my fight and my reasons for being in a place where I can support a child in difficulty and also access the Savior's help. And so that's just where I want to start, Wes, before you get started. Our Stay by the Tree webinar series, we use, we use Stay by the Tree kind of as a battle cry, like as a remember where you are, remember why you fight, remember what we're trying to do here. And you're familiar with the chemical scale and I know this won't make sense to anybody listening, maybe unless they're familiar with the principles of the eternal warrior principles at Life Changing Services, but the tree is our zero. And then we do the scale and each of the numbers is a gradual growing of fear that takes us away from the tree. So I just wanted to ask Wes before we get started so we can just really get to know a little bit about his story and how real and awesome he is. I just want to know, Wes, could you answer the question for all of us as it relates to this webinar series? What does Stay by the Tree mean to you as it relates to your story? It's a really good question, Karen. And I I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I'm so overwhelmed by the spirit and the, the goodness of the people that are that are consuming this media that you have decided to invest in yourselves and you want to improve yourselves. And I I need that right now in my life. So I, I thank you all for being here. Before I fall apart, because I, I gotta give myself at least five minutes to to not be a baby. If you're not familiar with, with this like the, the story of the, the tree of life. It's a, really a story about a family, and this tree represents God and His love for all of us, and partaking of the fruit of this tree allows us to feel God's love and keeps us close to Him. And in this vision, in this story, there are a lot of other things that you can do besides clinging to the, the rod of iron that leads up to the tree and, and wades through the, the challenges and mists of darkness that are placed in our way. 
There are a lot of choices that you can make in this, in this life, but none come close to enjoying the love of God in our lives. And what I think stay by the tree means to me is to live close to God in uncompromising way that you hold to that tree and you don't leave that area, but that you constantly beckon and invite because you know, it's better than everything else out there. But what's difficult and what I really am excited and, and anxious to be honest, to talk to you about today is that we, we can't make decisions for other people. Life is an individual sport or at least salvation is, and it's played on a field of gray. And we have to allow ourselves to, to do the right things and allow others to learn on their own, no matter how much pain and suffering we might see them go through. And so we can't compromise ourselves. We have to stay by the tree no matter what. And if those closest to us, those whom we love the most, decide to wander into great and spacious buildings, wade through rivers of filth and, and addiction and challenges. We can't leave the tree to try and rescue them. That's not our job. Even as a mother, it's not your job. And that's okay. And I know that's really hard. I'm sorry. I don't claim to understand what it's like to be a mother. That's a blessing and a privilege and an honor and a duty that I will never understand. And so I, I don't mean to, to offend or, or <laughs> tell you how to do your job. <laughs> but I've had incredible examples of mothers in my life that have taught me how to let go and let God intervene and, and take care of you and to trust. And so when I think of stay by the tree, it's have one hand just gripped so tightly to the bark and the other hand just waving everyone over saying, you got to try this. You got you to try one of these glowing apples. These things are amazing. It's, it's better than anything else that you can do. And I think that's kind of what a gospel-centered or an eternal life is. I've always thought that in, in Latter-day Saint culture and other Christian communities that this, this term of eternal life that we hear, I, and maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm probably a remedial gospel student, so that's why I'm, I, I've never thought about it this way, but we've, we've kind of thought about this, this maxim of eternal life as something that happens after we die, that we obtain eternal life once we die through the merits of the atonement and resurrection, and that's something that we experience after this life. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've prayed about it, and the more I've realized that eternal life is really just the kind of life that God lives. It's the principles by which he governs his life that our heavenly parents are, are bound to, but are liberated by. That eternal life is, is something that can be enjoyed now and should be. And that's what partaking of the fruit of the tree of, of life is. It's eternal life. And you can invite people to, to try it out and say, hey, you got to try this. Think about like the best, the best chocolate ice cream you've ever had. 
I, like when you eat something that is so good, if you're like me, if you eat something that is so good or you hear a song that is so good or you watch Heartland because it's so good. And if you guys are just coming in, you know, I'm kind of a fanboy, but like there's something magical that happens in us that we, we have to share it because it's, it's not like a fixed resource. Like we can share it and yeah, stay by the tree, be close to God and do not compromise that but invite and let other people find out and let other people find out on their own terms. It takes some people years to find the tree and some people never do, but you can. So, yeah, I know that's a long winded answer, Karen, but that's what I'd say when, when it comes to staying by the tree. Thanks Wes. All right. We're just going to give you um, the remainder of the time. And I'm going to ask the people that are here to just be jotting down some of your thoughts or questions for Wes, because when we reach the top of the hour, we'll stop and we'll be here for about 20 more minutes with a Q&A after Wes is done. So just be noticing if you have any questions for Wes at the end. You're on, Wes. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Where to begin? I want to give you guys an understanding of a little bit about my history so that you can understand a little bit more where I'm coming from, my experiences, my, my biases, and, and so you can kind of understand why I am the way I am. I'm, I'm from Utah. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool more. My middle name is Hale and my last name is Smith. Like, I don't know if you can get more Mormon than that, but uh, yeah, that's, and I know we're not Mormons anymore. I, Latter-day Sainty, whatever. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint. That's what I should say. But yeah, I'm, I'm 30 years old and uh, I grew up in the Mill Creek neighborhood on the east benches of, of Salt Lake City, kind of at the mouth of Parley's Canyon on your way up to Park City, if you've ever visited the city before. And I, my, I was a really successful youth. I, I had a lot of friends. I, I was good at sports. I, I'm musically talented and, and life came easy for me. I was a really good student. I never really had to worry about school. I never had to overstudy to get the grades that I wanted. And, and life was, was really kind of handed to me. I, I don't want to say handed to me. I worked hard, but I, <laughs> I think that I, I fit that mold of, of a kid who just kind of had the world by the tail and, and things happened easy and naturally for me. In fact, when I was, when I was 16 years old, I was invited by my English teacher. We, the whole class was invited to, to write an essay on leadership and what leadership means to us. And the, the kicker was you get extra credit. And so I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I need all the extra credit I could get. So I, I write this, this paper and, and think nothing of it. And uh, a couple of weeks later, it's announced that this, this other gal in the class was the winner of, of the essay contest. I didn't even know it was a contest, but apparently she was selected to represent our high school at this youth leadership camp at the start of the summer. And I, I got my extra credit and I was fine. Anyway, a couple of weeks pass and I was contacted by this girl's mother saying, hey, Katie actually has a lacrosse camp and um, can't go to this leadership camp and you were the alternate. So you should, you should definitely go. And I'm like, I'm at a baseball game. I don't, uh, okay, I'll think about it. And, and she's like, well, I need to know soon because they've got to fill the spot. Anyway, I, I tell my parents about that and they're like, Wes, you ought to go. You ought to go. I mean... <laughs> People like this is a very unique, like they did the research on the organization and stuff. And, and it was called Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership or Hobie. And I end up deciding 
you know what? Sure. I'll, I'll go. I get out of school. So why not? Right. 16 year old West making life decisions the, the right way. And don't worry, this is going to connect to like pornography and stuff in kind of a roundabout way, but I, I just need to set the stage here. Anyway, I ended up going and it was, it was a, a four, a three day seminar that really helped me to realize that I actually can make a difference that I actually have a, a voice in that, that by virtue of, of my personal skills that I can, I can and ought to do something in, in my life. And I decided right then at this, at this camp that I, that I wanted to run for student body president of my high school. And, and I, I did, and I won. And I realized that I like mortal, like a, an individual can make a big impact. Like there's this ripple effect that you can really be different. And it's not just because of me, like there's nothing special about me, but like kind of the secret is that at the end of the day, in the yearbook, there's going to be someone's picture with the student body president right next to it. You know, somebody's going to be the homecoming queen. Somebody's going to be the lead in the school musical. Somebody's going to be the captain of the football team. Like all of these roles that are out there for leaders or for achievers or whatever it is, valedictorian, the, the uh, Sterling scholars, whoever it is, someone's going to be like, there's going to be a face in that picture. Why not me? You know? And I kind of started to, to have some friends teach me that, like, or, or some good mentors show me like, why not you? You know, someone's going to do it. Why not you? And who better to do that? And I was really grateful for that. And I, it was about this time I, I, well, I was kind of younger when I was first exposed to pornography, but those challenges stayed with me a little bit during my youth. And I was able to, to, to clean myself up and, and be able to serve an LDS mission in New York. But as I came back, some of these challenges came back and it was coupled with crippling anxiety and depression. And I was really being beat down. Life was not going my way. I wasn't having success in dating. I wasn't having success in, in a lot of chosen career paths, things that I was trying to try out. Schooling was more difficult for me. And, and I was met with a kind of an interesting spiritual juxtaposition of, <laughs> you know, I'm asking the same questions, right? Like why, why me, right? Like why everything that had been happening to me that was going so well in my life, now everything's just kind of not the trajectory that I anticipated. I was the golden boy, right? Like things were going well and now, now they weren't. And, and I asked those same questions, but in a different context, instead of so much good happening to me and asking, why me? Why am I so blessed? Everything's going wrong. And I'm asking the same question. Why me? Why is this happening to me? This doesn't happen to me. This happens to other people. This doesn't happen to me. Right. And the Lord in his infinite wisdom supplied the same answer. Why not you? What's so special about you? <laughs> What's like, who, who better than you to experience hardship? Someone who's been given so much and experienced so much. Who better than you to go through something hard, to prove your mettle, 
because you really haven't up until now. And for better or worse, sisters, why not you? Why not you to be your children's mother? Why not you to be your husband's wife? Why not you to be the incredible daughter of God that you are? Embrace our situations that are thrust upon us, whether or not we seek them out. Why not us? And I testify to you, I promise you that if you really strive to embrace that and believe it and ask yourself consistently, why, why not me? You will allow the Lord and his spirit to come into your life and to teach you. And you'll be humbled enough to, to realize that this is part of your story. This is part of your, your destiny and, and what you're going to fulfill in your mortality. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't think that there's anything more fulfilling than when we can actually embrace what's going on around us and, and take it head on, which kind of leads me to our, our, our topic today, fighting your fight and letting everybody else fight theirs, especially when we're in a, a supportive role, when we're a mother to a son struggling with pornography and masturbation issues like my mom was to me. When we have a daughter who's struggling with self-worth or, or body image issues. When we have uh, a husband who's, who's trying to make ends meet and can't provide the way that he feels like he needs to. There's so many examples of parents in the scriptures where I think if we read between the lines a little bit, that Satan is relentlessly beating up these parents Think about Adam and Eve when their son Cain kills their other son Abel. Okay. I mean, if Adam were a better father or if Eve were a better mother, that wouldn't have happened, right? If they were a little bit more in tune and, and cared more about their children and taught them better, it wouldn't have happened, right? That's what Satan would have us think. Think about how Jesse must have felt when his son David sinned with Bathsheba and sent her husband to the front lines. How ashamed he must have felt and how he must have internalized that and his wife. Where did we go wrong with our son? What could we have done differently? It's not their fight, but they're fighting it. Jesus never did anything wrong, but can you imagine Mary and Joseph when they lost him at the temple? When he was 12 or so and they're, we, we had one job to do, right? Like <laughs> we let the son of God out of our sight for one second. Like we are the worst parents ever. We're heading back to, to Galilee and he's nowhere to be found. We are the worst. How could we do this? We're terrible. God, I'm such a bad mother. If I were better, if I were more in tune, if I cared more, if I were more Christian, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, the Laman and Lemuel in the Book of Mormon were like the valleys and the, and the rivers of the new world. That's what Lehi was pleading with his sons and, and Sariah. And how often were they, before they left, were they probably pacing the, the camp as the boys went to go get the plates? 
saying, oh, where did we go wrong? Was it their friends? Did we, did we not let them have good enough friends? Did we not, did we not make them go to young men's? <laughs> did we not give them the, you know, the guidance that they needed? And of course, Alma and Mosiah and their sons. In fact, we know in Alma 27 that the, the angel that intervened on Alma the Younger's behalf was petitioned there by his prophet father. And he says that your, your father has spent many nights pleading on thy behalf. You sisters, the, this is nothing new. Satan's tactics are as old as time itself. That the, the weight and, and gravity that you carry unnecessarily, might I add, is nothing new. And it's been effective for thousands of years. <laughs> and I want you to take a moment to ask yourself, what are, what are the lies that Satan's spinning in your mind? What does he tell you? How does he beat you up? God, we, you know, we let little Tommy play too many video games. That's my fault. I gave them a phone too young. It's my fault. Why did we not have better filters on our, on our internet and our computers? That's my, that's my fault. My son is addicted to pornography because of me. Who can relate? Anybody? I know my sweet mom has been there. Sisters, you can't leave the tree. You can't leave the tree and rescue someone in the in the mists and fogs and that's their path. That's not your fight. It's not. Now that doesn't mean we can't support and be great cheerleaders and, and help in a very meaningful and real way, but you got to let go. You got to let go and trust and believe and realize that As holy and sacred as your calling is as a mother to your children, you are a mortal steward of spirit children to your heavenly parents. And that you've done all you can. And I think sometimes we, Satan will love to do this one too. He'll love that scripture in the Book of Mormon that, it is by grace that we are saved after all that we can do. And we fixate like, well, I haven't even done all that I can do. So how is it that I can even, of course, of course, like they're, of course they're in sin. Of course they're, they've gone the wrong way because I didn't do enough. And Satan plays that hamster wheel tape in our mind that if you did this, if you did that, if you could just go back in time and fix it, this wouldn't be a problem. It's not true. The operative word in that scripture is not after all that we can, all that we can do. It's, it's can after all we can do. And in fact, I would even, I would even insert a word in there and I'm, I'm stealing a lot from, from Brad Wilcox. If you've heard his talk, his grace is sufficient, but after all, what can we do as mortals? Is by grace that we are saved 
After all, what can we do? And if we're able to let go a little bit and trust that it is the very fact that I'm having these feelings that Satan is, is beating me up this way validates the fact that I have done everything I can, that I love my child with everything, that I, there's nothing that I haven't done or wouldn't do to keep them safe. That's why I care so much. That's why these lies that Satan tells me hurt me so badly. It's because I have exhausted myself in being the best mother that I can be, that I can be. And now I need to let my boys or my girls' heavenly parents take the reins and lead them. And that's okay. That's better than okay. If you can do that, your, your children will be so resilient, so strong, so galvanized and fortified. And yeah, they're going to get scars. They're going to scrape themselves up and they're going to get hurt as they meander and find their way back to the tree. But you know what? If you, if you place them on the path and you put their, you show them, hey, this is what I do. And you cling to that rod of iron through all the mists of darkness and make it to the tree. And you say, look, I have been there. I have wandered the mists of darkness. I have been in the great and spacious building. Nothing's better than this. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can experiment with your life, however you choose. But this is how I choose. And I've seen it and I know what's different and, it, and it's better. And you don't have to go through the pains that I have. And even if we, you know, I'm not saying that we have to experience the, you know, the depths of sin to gain an appreciation for goodness. Our Lord and Savior has already done that. He has experienced the, the depths of, that the world has to offer. And he's shown us a better way, a more excellent way, the scriptures would say. And all we have to do is, is move forward. Let your kids fight their fight. But you have to fight yours. So what is our fight as mothers? What is that fight? It is the, the, the challenges that an, that an addicted mind face are very similar, very chemically similar to what is going. And again, like April told you, I'm a, I'm a software salesman. I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I don't, I have way too little schooling for anything as incredible as what the people at life-changing services do, but I have learned quite a bit and I know a little bit about what's going on up North here. And it's a lot of it is similar to the lies, like the lies that Satan tells me, he tells you lies as well. Okay. And the, the tactics that we use to overcome, you know, an addicted satanic attack versus a, maybe we're, maybe we're addicted to shame or we're addicted to guilt, you know, and we, we, we allow Satan to, to collect mail in our, in our minds. He has a permanent residence. We got to evict him sisters. There's no more room for that. And you are keeping yourself from that eternal life that I mentioned previously as a result of allowing that. So we need to love ourselves. We can't let him push us around. We need to learn to trust again. We need to be okay with our son making poor decisions 
and loving him no matter what unconditionally, but being a, being open to the idea that he may do some things that we don't agree with, but that doesn't mean I'm going to leave the tree. That doesn't mean that I'm going to feel bad about me. That doesn't mean that Satan gets to, gets to take advantage of me. That's my fight is feeling good about me and knowing that I'm the best mother there ever was. That I have given my child all of the armor, all of the weaponry that they could ever hope to go out into the, into battle. And the rest is up to them and letting go, letting God. So how do we fight now that we've identified where our fight lives? What can we actually do about it? Okay. And there's a couple of, of tactics here that I want you guys to take away and experiment upon. The first of which is, is a, a tool that we at Life Changing Services call a notice it, name it, flip it, find it routine. Okay. Now, the object of this type of, of exercise is for us to realize when we're under attack from Satan and how to do some cool mental judo and then get back on the offensive to take the fight back to Satan. Okay. So the first thing that we need to do is notice when Satan is beating us down. All right. And honestly, I think in, in spiritual and mental health recovery, this is, this is more than half the battle. So many of us don't even realize that Satan is taking advantage of us, that we allow that, that hamster wheel to just keep going in our minds and we start to believe it. We really internalize it and, and it's not who we are. It's so contrary to our eternal natures and identities. So when we first notice it, like our, we learned in the scriptures and in, in, in second Nephi two, that men, and I would add that women are, that they might have joy. That is our natural court. Like, like that should be our natural default setting that we're at peace with who we are, that we love ourselves and that we have joy in our lives, regardless of what's going on in our life or around us, that we have purpose and we have direction and we're calm with who we are. Okay. So anytime that we feel out of whack with that, anytime that we feel an imbalance or we're like, man, like, I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm kind of just meh today. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm, I'm just disengaged from my life. Or I, it could be an even more negative experience. Like, man, I just feel so anxious about what's going on. There's nothing I can do. That's when we first need to notice that something's going on. Okay. As soon as we notice what's going on and step two, name it is really pretty follow-up-y, like really soon thereafter. As soon as I notice that I'm no longer at peace with who I am, I can name that feeling. Okay. So maybe I'm feeling worthless. Maybe I'm feeling depressed. Maybe I'm feeling bored. Maybe I'm feeling ashamed. Okay. Oftentimes it's like we, we feel like we, we know something's wrong, but we don't assign that feeling and we need to name it. We actually need to, and I would recommend writing it down. And my next tool that I'm going to share with you actually incorporates a little thought record journal here that I do, but keep a little steno pad on you and, and write these things down. It really helps you to, to gather all the, man, I like as men, we already have like stuff going on here, but the women in my life, you guys have way more than I could ever imagine going on inside your mind at, at any given time. And 
being able to write those things down helps us to focus and get things down. So name that feeling. Okay. And once that we've named that feeling, we just need to flip it on its head. So if I'm feeling ashamed, would that opposite be? Maybe I'm, I'm really proud or honored, proud of who I am, honored to be the woman that I am. Maybe I'm, you know, if I'm feeling bored, what's the opposite of that? Of, opposite of that? I'm engaged. I'm really, you know, honed in. I'm focused. I'm energized. Okay. If I'm worthless, what's the opposite of that? Worthy and worthwhile. Okay. So we, we, we find the antonym, we find the antidote of the feeling that we're having. And then when we, when we, once we flipped it, we need to go find it now. What activities provide that feeling in our lives? What helps me to feel worthy? Maybe that's exercising use of my temple recommend, right? And I know that's kind of hard to do right now, but maybe even renewing that temple recommend, helping you realize, man, like I'm living according to the commandments. I'm worthy. I'm worthwhile. Or maybe it's reading in our journals, reminding ourselves what we've gone through, reaching out to a friend and, and feeling valuable that you, can, that you can actually make a difference in, in interceding on behalf of another, helping them to feel worthwhile oftentimes helps us feel that way as well. How do I get, you know, excited or engaged in something? What do I love to do? Maybe I've got this new recipe that I've been trying, dying to try out. Maybe I have a new business that I want to start. Maybe there's a a trip that I want to take with my, with my husband and I can start planning that. Okay. As soon as we like dive into these passions, it's, it's amazing how those, those feelings of inadequacy and, and worthlessness really do melt away. And we, we realize that the, the lie that is, is wrapped up in those feelings, it's really veneer. It's cosmetic. There's no depth to it at all. There's no real substance behind it. It's just a shadow. And we, we get to see Satan for what he is. Like, you got nothing, man. Absolutely nothing. Because I'm a bad to the bone gangsta mama who who handles her business and handles her business, right? That you're not, you're not out there trying to save your, your kids because that's God's job. And we've, we're letting him, we're trusting him enough to do that in whatever time and whatever way he makes all that we really need to do for our children to come back to us is be like the father of the prodigal, be ready, be ready with the, with the ring and the fatted calf whenever they want to come back, welcome them with open arms. Okay. Notice it, name it, flip it, find it. I would so invite you to, I would so invite, I would so invite you. I would just invite you all to, to give that a shot sometime this week. Okay. The next time that you're feeling off, give it a shot. The next um, exercise that I want to teach you is what I call a thought record. And this was taught to me in between missions, something that I didn't tell you about my my history is I actually was an early release missionary from my first mission call. I was initially assigned to serve my mission in Rostov, Russia, which is where the Olympics were back in 2014 in Sochi area. But I, I came home after 12 weeks in the MTC with severe anxiety and depression issues. 
And I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and how it manifests itself in my life is I would just have these thoughts that I really couldn't, really couldn't control. They just kept coming relentlessly, relentlessly, and they really made me feel anxious and depressed. And I, I really couldn't even just relax and even just zone out and have like normal thought energy. It was really difficult. And I know a lot of you have probably felt that way as well. So here's a little trick that can help you handle those situations. So I still have a lot of anxiety in my life. And I'm so happy that I learned this pattern when I did because it served me so well throughout my life. This saved my mission. I was able to return to a mission and stay on one as a result of this. This is a seven-step thought journal process, okay? So as soon as you're starting to feel anxious and have some of these thoughts enter into your, into your mind, just do this. Get yourself a little steno pad like I've got here. And it's, it's important that you write it down. A lot of people will be like, oh, I'll just do it in my head. Eh, ain't gonna work, okay? You gotta write it down, okay? Step one, describe the setting. Where are you? What time of day is it? What are you doing? Who are you with? Just write that down. On this thought record that I have right here, I put morning right as I'm waking up. Oh, that's a nice day. You just wake up and you're like, oh, I'm so nervous all the time. Yeah, that was this kind of, this kind of day. Number two, name those feelings. So we, we've talked about notice it, name it. This is a different way of doing kind of the same thing. But two, name those feelings. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm paralyzed with, with worry. Um, I'm scared. I'm, you know, whatever it is that you want to write. And then I also write a percentage, like how much of that is consuming me on this particular one. It was 40% is what I assigned this feeling here, but man, sometimes it's 80, 90%. You're like, Holy cow, I'm out of control here. And then step number three is really critical. Write down the exact thoughts that are bombarding you. Okay. What are the lies Satan's telling you? And don't hold back. Tell like, just take dictation. Like, oh, you're the worst mother in the world. You're not, you're not taking care of your kids. You can't, like, heaven forbid you, you try to intervene because they won't listen to you anyway. All these, like all those lies, write them down and don't hold back. Step four, and this is the hardest one, okay? But it's, again, it's crucial if you're going to be successful here. Write the evidence that supports those satanic lies. Okay. Give the devil his due here. Write down and say, you know what? Last time I tried to talk to Megan, she really did blow up in my face. Or God, Mike has been struggling with pornography for a number, number of years now, and it's not getting any better. Like validate what Satan's telling you here. Okay. And the reason why is not to believe Satan. It's to actually address the the challenge and situation okay that's why you want to go step five is the exact opposite what evidence is there that refutes these claims from satan or these obsessive thoughts that we're having you know what? i have a really good relationship with my kids they do they like just last week spencer came up to me and, and told me about this challenge that he was having in class they trust me they, they you, know, you know like there is that evidence too and then step six is my favorite step. This is where we actually marry steps four and five together. And we say something to the, and it's what I call a balanced thought. We say something to the effect of, you know, it, it might be true that Megan blew up on me the other day. And 
you know, she's a, a reason for that is because, you know, she's, she's stressing with soccer practice or she's, you know, that she didn't get asked by the guy that she wanted her to, to prom or, or whatever, but we, you know, last week, and then this is where I'm kind of adding in peppering in that number five last week, you know, we went to swig together and we just talked, we, we got some sodas and we were able to just talk. And I, I told her about what's going on with me and some of my health issues I'm going through right now. And she was able to chat with me. We have a good relationship. Okay. So we say, while it may be true that four is going on, there's so much more that that refutes that. And then seven is a repeat of step two. You write how you feel now and the percentages of it. And sisters, if you do that, you're going to calm down. And it's amazing. And, and you'll start to realize that these obsessive and, and, and satanic thought attacks are going to come a lot less frequently. And you're, you're really going to be able to to manage that anxiety and stress. After about six months into my mission, I was maybe doing this once every six weeks. It, it's amazing. But at first, when I, when I was back on my mission, after I learned this trick, I was doing this four or five times a day. And I just needed to remind myself, hey, like, relax. You know, just do this. Take care of you. Fight my fight. I'm going to be okay. And I, like, I have such a testimony in that, that this cognitive behavioral therapy tactic really does help change the game for you. Okay. So that's how we can fight. Now we, we still have loved ones that are in the fight. How do we support them? It's really important to help those that we're trying to make changes in our lives. So how do we support those that are going through challenges? Like it's really important that we do have accountability measures in place, but we don't want to make that be the sole purpose or hub of our relationship with whoever's going through recovery. Okay. It got to a point with my mom when Like I really got into recovery with life-changing services as a young single adult. I was 25, 26 when I started attending meetings and I'm 30 now. And it's really kind of dumb to have your relationship with your mom at that age be, at any age, just be the porn police. So, and it it kind of created a weird dynamic between my mom and I that we didn't need. And we, we actually eventually talked about it said, Hey, like this kind of sucks, right? Like all we do is talk about this. How can we still get the benefit of accountability without making that what our whole relationship is about. And uh, she agreed and we were able to, to come together on some, some good things. And so what I would recommend to you in terms of having accountability with, with your recovery partner or whoever it is that's fighting on your end is have these conversations often and remove the intensity of the situation. Try to make it more approachable. Find your voice in the relationship that you already have with your child. And say, hey, like, how's the how's the porn stuff going? You know, but don't make that the whole focus of the conversation. Talk about other things too. You know, make it part of your normal rhythm and cadence with your child. If it's hard for you to, to bring it up, schedule that conversation and say, hey, you know what, Mike, if, if you want to make the progress in your life here that you can, I want to be your accountability partner. Let's talk about this once a week, talk about how things went during that week and and what we can do differently to, to maybe win some of those challenges next time. Okay. Set those appointments, but don't limit yourself to only talk about it during those times. Okay. That makes sense. And a great way to ask those types of questions is to use what I call TED or why questions. And I'll tell you what that means here in just a second. And I've actually invited Karen to, to play a teenager here with me. So I'm going to, we're going to do a little bit of role play of how some of these check-ins can go and what, what not to do first. And then maybe some things that can change the way 
like just the way that we frame the way we ask questions can open up to more of a dialogue. Okay. So Karen, it's Friday night. You just got back from the football game and we're going to chat. Okay. Mm. So, Hey sweetie, how was, how was your night? It was okay. Okay. What would you do? You know, just what you do at the game. Just. Well, know. what did you do at the game? Well, yeah, I hung out with Todd and Becky and yeah, just the Todd. Now he's, he's in the third ward, right? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Is this sounding familiar to anybody out there? Notice how all of my questions that I'm, I'm phrasing to my very uppity teenage daughter, might I (laughs) just kidding, Karen, they're, they're all closed ended. Okay. Let's try it a little bit differently. Now I'm going to use Ted questions this time. And that means tell me, explain to me, or describe to me. You guys use this in any relationship you want to get better. And I promise you, like you will have dialogues and not word battleship. Okay. So, Hey honey, tell me what you did tonight. Uh, Do I have to? If you want. Just tell me a little bit of what you did. I just stay home. I want to know what yeah, what you did. Oh, I just went to the game and hung out with my friends. Okay, well, describe the game to me. How was it? I didn't really watch the game. I just was talking with my friends. Okay. So ex- explain to me what's going on in your friends right now. Um, I don't know. I guess... I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, Becky was kind of, she was a kind of a jerk tonight. Why, so, why do you think I don't, that I don't know. I don't know what's going on with her, but she was a real jerk. Tell me more about that. I don't know. She was just like acting like she was all that and like I didn't matter. And anyway, yeah, I, she was just being a jerk. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, honey. Like, can you, you know, t- tell me how that made you feel? Are you, you doing okay? Well, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, but yeah, that really ticked me off. Yeah. I remember, you know, when you came to me and, and told me that you were having some of these challenges of feeling good about yourself and how important it was for you to, you know, have good friends. Can you describe to me how that, you know, that, that friendship there is, is helping you feel good or bad about yourself? Ah, geez. I don't know, mom. It's just hard. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's just hard. I just, yeah, I don't know. I just want to, I just am always so nice to her. And, you know, she's just, you know, I, I, I invited her to come to the party. I invited her to come over to sleepover. And she never reciprocates, does anything for me. And then tonight, it just was more of the same. Honey, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, I I remember having a friend in my my Laurel group when I was growing up that it was kind of the same deal. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but her, her parents were divorcing at the time and it really made her kind of angry. And, and I'm not saying that's going on with your friend right now, but 
Like it's sometimes hard for us to judge when we don't really know what's going on, but also honey, like if she's not helping you to feel good about yourself, then maybe, maybe she's not the best friend to have around, you know, but I appreciate you talking with me. It means a lot. I, I don't get to, to go to the games and have as much fun as you do. So thanks for, for chatting with me here. Okay. Mom, can I have some of this ice cream? You can have all the ice cream you want because you just told me that story. That was so great. <laughs> all right. Um, so I know that wasn't perfect, but that's an example of how we can change the, the script. We can, we can frame our questions in a way that inspire a dialogue. And you guys notice if you were paying attention that she was still a little rigid at the beginning, but if we just kind of keep with it and invite to, to tell us by the words that we choose, they do like youth love to talk. <laughs> Look at their phone bills, right? Like they love to talk. And if they can see you as, as a trusted non-judgmental partner and team member, it's going to be incredible. So ask those Ted questions or, or the Trump cards too. Tell me more and why. If you're stuck and don't know what to ask, tell me more and why. <laughs> you're you're going to be golden. Those are the best. We're right at time now. And I just want to tell you guys how incredible you are, how much I appreciate what you do. And I hope that I've been, you know, able to convey some new ideas to you to try out, to help you to, to fight your fight and to let others fight theirs, but also to be such a, a strong partner and such a trusted uh, counselor to your children. So thanks for, for having me here, Karen. I, I'll give you the time back. Thanks, Wes. And I'm going to turn it to April. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Wes, for just for being here, for your thoughts, for being open, for being vulnerable, for just being willing to share with us moms. It's refreshing just to hear people be real sometimes. And so thank you so much. So just letting moms know a couple of things. I have a couple little announcements and then we'll switch back over and you are all welcome to ask whatever you want of Wes. It's like open questions. So now's your chance, Wes, be ready. Anyway, please join us for our mom power classes. You can register at mompowertraining.org and please feel free to register for those. They're free. And then next week, just a little precursor, we have Julie Dunford and Greg Dunford. Greg is a licensed therapist with our Sons of Helaman program. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the reasons that we like to have some of our therapists on too is to let you know that they have real lives and they have real struggles just like the rest of us. Just a little bit about Greg and Julie, three of their six children have struggled with addictions of all kinds. They've had all kinds of challenges, including anxiety, depression, same-sex attraction. Their oldest son, Tyler, passed away in a four-wheeler accident on Mother's Day in 2013, and he had struggled with drug and alcohol addiction most of his life. The Dunfords have learned tons through their children's experiences as well as their own and thousands of clients over the years. So they understand messy. They understand living in an imperfect world and you'll absolutely want to hear their message next week of hope and their topic. See if I can say this right. is called practicing equanimity, understanding how resistance creates stress, shame, and suffering and how acceptance creates peace, joy, and connection. So be sure to join us next week right here. 
And then just a couple of last announcements before we go visit our website, both at lifechangingservices.org to find out about any of our programs or also motherswhoknow.org. And if you're a mom that's struggling and you're trying to find some additional tools, please check out Karen's book. It's called Mama Trauma, Now What? Finding Hope When Your Child Battles Pornography or Other Challenging Issues. And Karen teaches a lot of tools that help moms that can give you hope. And then if you want more information about some of the things that Wes talked about, if you visit his podcast channel, the Eternal Warrior Podcast, Last week on the March 17th podcast, he had Maurice Harker and they were doing some role playing things there. A couple of weeks prior to that, the whole podcast is about the notice it, name it, flip it, find it with God. So you can learn more about that. If you go back to the May of 2020 episode, it's a Mother's Day episode. Wes also interviews Karen and she talks about ways that parents can support their children. Those are some really awesome podcasts to go back and listen to. We are going to turn the time back over to Wes. And it looks like there's a couple of questions, Wes. I think I'll just ask them and then let you answer them. And so Wes, what is the best way to respond when your son tells you he has lost a battle? And for those that may not understand what that means, in the Sons of Helaman program, the young men that are struggling with pornography challenges and overcoming that when they, I don't know what it's a lot in the world, I guess people call it slip or whatever, we call it a lost battle. So Wes, what's the best way to respond? I think you have to throw the kid out of the house and send them on their way and I think cut them out of the will, whatever. I mean, they blew it, right? Like you have to really take a hard line. No, of course not. I, I think it's so important for, for us in the supporting role to understand that, first of all, the fact that they're coming to you and, and telling you that they lost a battle, that is so huge. Like that is, that's like one of the first, that, that signals to me that this kid is on the right track, that they're actually willing to, because here's the thing, they can just lie to you. They don't have to come to you. They can lie to you and Satan's going to tell them to. Satan's going to say, oh, don't tell your mom. She'll be so sad. You, you know, no, the fact that they realize, man, I need this accountability, celebrate that. So if your kid comes to you and says, hey, I, I screwed up. I, I made a little bit of a, of a mistake. I, I lost a battle. I, I viewed pornography. I masturbated, whatever it is. So take it to the bank that they want to get better. Okay, secondly, have a conversation about it. I'm a big sports guy. I know looking at me, you can probably think, man, that guy probably played professional sports. Far from it. Anyway, I like to think of of this as viewing game film and like walk through everything that happened. Okay. And if it gets uncomfortable, tough. Like you need to be uncomfortable. So I'm not saying like pull up the exact website that your kid watched or whatever, but I'm saying like walk through the conversations and, and, Go backward through the chemical scale. It, you know, your, your son will know what a lost battle analysis is if he's part of Sons, Sons of Helaman. Walk through that, but just notice at what points throughout this, this little, I guess, microcosm or this snapshot of time where, you know, their, chemo, their chemistry just started to get off a little bit to where they actually acted out in their addiction. Highlight the opportunities that arise to actually do something else. And you'll notice like, yeah. So I, I started feeling weird in the shower or something. And then I went and watched Netflix or something like that. Didn't have to go watch Netflix afterward. Or I was, I, I saw something on my Instagram feed 
that made me go to, to YouTube and, and watch something bad or whatever. Like the second that you get the signal or, or what we call a flash in Sons of Helaman, that's an opportunity to do something else. And the more that we can highlight those opportunities throughout that little, you know, play out of, of challenges, that's going to really help your son to make some of those changes. So how should you react when they come to you? Take it as an opportunity to improve. It's going to hurt a little bit and it's going to sting, but Satan's going to use that. Like, just like what we talked about, he's going to say, that's your fault. Your son screwed up because of you, because you weren't on top of it. Nope. That's not true, sisters. It's not true. So make sure that you're, that Satan's not going to turn this into a double battle with you, but that you can separate yourself from the situation and just say, okay, let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what we can do differently. And then revisit that the next time that you guys have a scheduled accountability check-in say, Hey, tell me how you used what we talked about last time to overcome some of your challenges. Cause if they're not applying those things that we're having, then why are we, why are we really kind of reviewing those lost battles? So we've got to have application to those things as well. I hope that helps. Thanks. Yeah. Do you feel that because you were successful when you were young, it was harder to reach out for help? Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's pride more than anything. It's a pride thing for sure. And in my experience, the, the kids that come to Sons of Helaman are high achieving kids. They're athletes, they're student government types, they're incredibly musicians, but very talented young men who are so, so kind of, I guess, anxious or embarrassed to admit this. But the fact is, every, every young man is going through this in one degree or another. And I will stand by that statistic 100% of our young men are plagued with some type of sexual challenge. Okay. But those who do something about it, like those are the, those are the champions. Those are the cool kids. So yeah, I just totally humbling and hard to do, but I think maybe that was good for me in a way. So yeah. what about if your son doesn't want to attend Sons of Human or other programs, he just thinks he can do it himself. Like how do you have that conversation Get them to one meeting. Get them to one meeting. You say, hey, look, go once and you don't have to go ever again if you don't want to. But promise me you'll go with an open mind. Make a deal with them if you have to. Have them call me. I don't care. I'll talk to them. They can have them reach out to me at podcast at lifechangingservices.org. What we kind of do on... So we have a, a side podcast called Jackson's Journey. Jackson is... a, is a He's... 18 years old, about to graduate high school, good friends of mine and Spencer, but we, we met him through, through group and um, he was wanting to get into group, but actually had a hard time convincing his parents that he should go to group. They're like, you don't need recovery group. Or he's like, no, I think I do. But anyway, this uh, offshoot podcast is kind of a, a micro group that we do with Jackson. And its purpose is to introduce people who might be on the fence about attending a meeting of just giving them exposure to what group is like. What's the structure? Like what happens at group? What's the vibe like? And so you can introduce them to a group that way. But I would say use your, your mother trump card to make him go one time. <laughs> what kind of questions could you ask? Just it, like if your son isn't talking about how he's doing or whatever, it, should moms be asking that que those questions? Or what kind of questions could you ask? Assume it. Assume that your child is struggling with pornography or at least has some type of exposure. Okay. So instead of saying, 
is pornography part of what's going on? Just say, hey, tell me how how involved you are, you have been with pornography, or describe to me how like it, it's naive, sisters, to think that that that's not true. So assume it and say, hey, look, I know porn's a problem for everybody. Tell me like how bad it has been for you. Okay, just assume it, and I think that that gives them permission to open up a little bit more instead of admitting something. They just kind of get to guide the conversation. Yeah. What about how can you respond when your child blames all of their problems on me and my husband? He doesn't take ownership of his choices. He even tries to blame his addictions on us. That's a hard heart, a hard, hard heart. And I know you do this. That's why you're here, but love him, love him and, and let him. Let him be mad because what's hard about this is that, you know, the scriptures say you can either choose to be humble or you can be compelled to be humble. And that type of attitude is cruising for a bruising. And I know that's hard to hear, but you can't, you can't fight for him. It's his fight. And there will be a rude awakening and you just need to be there. You need to, you know, welcome back the prodigal and, and help him and let him know that and say, Hey, I'm sorry you feel that way. I, I disagree. But if you, you know, we have some options for you to get help if you want to, you know, do something about it. But yeah, I'm sorry. I can't give a better answer than that, but. Well, that was great. What about sons that have attended Sons of Helaman several times and then they quit? I mean, moms would love it if they went back. I mean, it kind of goes back to that previous question. I'm not saying that Sons of Helaman is the only way for your kid to get recovery. And I'm also not saying that it's what is kind of the perfect fit for everyone. But I will say that if, if your son invests in the principles and drinks the Kool-Aid and tries, they will succeed. If they put the principles to test and and make changes, they will succeed. And I think if, if your son has attended and has said, you know, I've done everything and it's, it's just not working for me. I, I, I think they would need to be a little bit more honest with themselves and ask, did you honestly put forth your best effort? You know, go back to that, you know, after all we can do, did you, did you put forth an honest effort? Were you consistent? And, you know, if, if they're honest with themselves, I think more often than not, they would say, probably not. I'm not going to say one way or the other and make a blanket statement, but I, I have a hard time trusting or believing that. I, I think that I, I, I kind of goes back to those, those Ted and why questions. Like if you have a kid who's just given up on Sons of Helaman, just say, you know, why? Help me understand why, what didn't work. Again, have him call me. I, I'll talk to him. I don't care. I'm not doing anything. I'm sure you're doing lots and lots of oh, stuff. Amen. That's very kind of you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm just going to read this one. My son is on a mission and feels badly if he sees a picture at the store while shopping. And if he looks twice, he feels he has failed and is unworthy to partake of the sacrament on Sunday. I suggested he take an inside to the store for distraction, but do you have any other suggestions or things I might be able to say? Oh man, that, I'm sorry. That reminds me of, of a quote from God's army where the district is out to lunch at a, at a restaurant and their waitress is really cute. And I think one of the elders says, well, if you don't look once, you're not a man. 
but if you look twice, you're not a missionary, <laughs> which is bad to say, but um, I think that, sorry, I don't mean to make light of the situation. I think that your, your son to me sounds a little, a little high strung or a little intense there. And I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm not saying that, yeah, go to the, that's how you, you get your pornography on your mission is you go look at the magazines at the store, but help him to realize that that's part of being in the world right? Like he's going to come back from the mission and he's not going to have the mantle on him and he's going to be exposed to so much more and help him to realize that that's part of being in the world. No, we just have an option to, to not be of it. Okay. Don't be overly concerned or or worried about that. Like, did you act upon it? You know, the, we we have no control over what magazines are going to be there at the store or what types of billboards are going to be there or what the woman on the subway is going to be wearing, right? We don't have these options. Our choice is, you know, how do we, how do we handle these certain stimuli, right? And, and having a conversation around that. Yeah. We also just, for those listening, there is a program called Sons of Mosiah that is specifically for uh, young men that are on mission. So if your son might be, you know, struggling or having these kinds of feelings or whatever, guaranteed he's not the only one and so they have an like an email back and forth where they can talk it out anyway it's a really good program just to help them and just to go over those things with other people and it is supervised so it's not just you know random but anyway so you can you can call our office if uh, your son is in need of that it's called the sons of mosiah program just throwing that out there let me read this one My son is afraid to change because it has been his battle so long. He's afraid it's part of his identity. And if he changes, he doesn't know who he will be. Any suggestions for him? That to me sounds like a desire issue. Sounds like he wants it. And I know that's probably hard to hear, but it sounds like he almost likes his addiction. And I I think that we all like our addictions one way or another. It's just what becomes more painful, the painful of maintaining the addiction or the pain of change. And it doesn't have to be. I I would ask your son, like, what, what does your addiction say about you? And have him write down identity statements, like, because I do this, I am, or, or like this, it says this about me. And he's basically like that claim basically says that he likes that, that he prefers that, or it could be that he's so depressed or or feels so poorly about himself that he doesn't believe that change is possible. One thing that Spencer and I say on the eternal warrior podcast all the time is that when we pursue things that we have never pursued before, when we, when we take on new, new paths, change not only becomes possible, but it, it, it's inevitable. You can't help but change if you do things that you have never done before. Okay, if I walk in a direction that I have never been before, I will eventually wind up in a location to which I have never been. It's, it's a very like foundational and, and almost physical law, I think that you could say. And, and at, invite your son like, hey, is, do you want to be this way? Because you don't have to be. And if, you know, if, if, if he says, no, I don't want to be this way, but I don't believe that I can be, that's to me, sounds like there might need be a need for some professional counseling help there. 
to get back to a better mental capacity to, to make decisions based on values instead of based on feelings or fear. Yeah, there's a podcast on our, we have a like Dragons Do They Fight podcast channel. And in one of the interviews that Karen did with Brighton Peterson, he uses the analogy of being in a cave and like you're in a dark space. But when you come out of the cave and you open your eyes to the light, it kind of hurts at first. You know, your eyes have to adjust. There's a little bit of adjustment there. And then once you adjust to it and you see the light, it's awesome. But it, that first walking out of darkness into light can be a little bit of a struggle. I remember running out of the elementary school cafeteria at Rosecrest Elementary in the winter. And we'd run out because we were going to go play football in the snow. And we wing the door open and the sun, the light just bounces off the snow and it just blinds us. And we all hit the deck because we can't see where we're going. But yeah, it can be that way a little bit sometimes when we actually allow light back into our lives, it can really flood us and we might have to get our bearings a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Can you tell us a little bit, Wes, about why you started the Eternal Warrior podcast channel, how that came to be, oh, what your guys' thought process was? Yeah, so it's, like, let me just air what I got out there. Well, <laughs> it was actually Spencer's idea. And Spencer came to me, he's like, Wes, I've got this great idea. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if that's the best idea <laughs> for these, for these very reasons. Like, are we, are we really doing this? Are we telling the world I'm a porn guy, you know, I'm, you know, like, and what, heaven forbid that a girl I'm, I'm dating finds out about this or something like that. But that was about four years ago when Spencer came to me with this bright idea and it was the best thing that could have ever happened for my recovery. And I think we just kind of realized like, why not us, right? Like someone's got to do this. Someone's got to be a voice and, and give meaning to our, our people, our tribe of, of those in recovery. Why not us? You know, and that's what we've tried to do. And so, and, and it's so fun. If you've listened to the podcast, we have so much fun on there. It's, it's an absolute blast. And another thing we always say is that, you know, if, if nobody if nobody listened to it, we'd still do it. We love it. So much fun. Well, we're getting close to the end. So Karen and Wes, do either of you have some closing thoughts or ideas you want to share with us? And Wes, your takeaway on it, our, our podcast is Stay by the Tree, but we also like to leave moms with a message of hope. So any last messages of hope you guys have for us? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is, Wes, how would you send us off with What's your final thought or message of hope? I think it would be, sisters, gather to the banner of why not me? Why not you? Why not you to have the son that is, that is rebelling and doesn't want to take ownership for his recovery? Why not you to have a, a husband who is, is chosen to, to break your heart time and time again, to prove your, your mettle, to prove your strength. There's no one better than you to do what you are going through right now. There's a poem that I love by a fellow named Douglas Mallock called Good Timber. And I, I'll try and, and fumble through it, but it goes, the tree that never had to fight for sun or sky or air or light stood out in the open plain and always got his share of rain, never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man that never had to toil to win and earn his patch of soil 
man that never had to fight for sun or sky and air or light. Never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger wind, the stronger trees. The further sky, the greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By rain, by wind, by storm and snow, in trees and men, good timbers grow. And they hold councils with the stars whose broken branches show the scars of many winds and much of strife. This is the common law of life. Sisters, when you're going through something hard, just know that you are better for it. You are better for it. And your family is better for it. I know that I am because of my mom. My, my dad is dying right now. And to see my mother stay by the tree and reach out to her sons and keep us close makes me a better person because I'm not strong enough without her. And I know that your family needs you in your times of need. Let go of the battles that are not yours and let God intervene. And I know that's hard, but I know it's true. <laughs> I love you all and thanks for letting me be here with you and thanks for your great spirit. Thank you so much, Wes. Thanks again for being here, everybody. We're so grateful that you were here with us and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Wes. We love you and we love what you're doing. Oh, you guys are great. Appreciate Thank it. you.